You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a prospect writer and analyst, as well as the founder of JustBaseball.com. And in today's episode, we have part two of the top third base prospects in baseball. And I'm going to start with number five here, who is somebody that is just really flown onto the radar and has become a very exciting prospect in no other system than, of course, the L.A. Dodgers. It's Miguel Vargas, who had a wonderful year, an absolutely dynamite season between high A and double A for the Dodgers. I mean, the guy just was incredibly consistent between both levels. In fact, he even stepped his game up, I would argue, when he got the call up to double A and high A to start the year. 37 games there. He hits seven home runs. He slashes 314, 366, 532. Only a 5% walk rate there, but he only struck out 18.6% of the time, so it wasn't really an issue. If you're not striking out much, I'm not going to sweat the lack of walks, though, of course, I'd like to see more walks. Well, we got more walks in AA, which is rare. It's usually flip-flopped because the guys in AA have much better command, yet the zone's still a little bit big in terms of how the umpires are calling it. Well, didn't affect him. He actually got more comfortable, did Vargas. And I think it's because the league started to realize, hey, this Vargas dude can swing it because he had 16 home runs in double A too. So 23 home runs on the year as a whole. And the more he swung it in double A, the less he got to hit really. And and he was patient and took his walks. He almost doubled his walk rate to 10% in his 83 games in double A. So a much healthier sample size strikeout rate actually dropped to 15%. And he slashed 321, 386, 523, 142 WRC plus between the two levels. And just a ridiculous explosion from this kid because he's got a very good feel to hit. And he was 21. 21 years old for the duration of the season. He just turned 22 15 days ago. Happy belated birthday to Miguel Vargas. He's somebody that has as much helium as anybody in the minor leagues in terms of prospect rankings. I'm going to have him up there as we get closer to the top 100 update that should be coming out by the end of the month. He's not the best defender in the world. I'll get to that. He's probably closer to average, but I thought he showed some great improvements from 2019 uh, at the defensive side of things there over at the hot corner. His swing is very reminiscent to me of Carlos Correa because he does not move much at all, yet he is able to generate easy power because he is so quick twitch. The barrel whip that he generates from where he starts to where he gets is crazy. A big thing with hitters nowadays is to start with that 90 degree angle and get slotted or at least get slotted before you launch forward into a 90 degree angle with your bat. It's just easier to have a straight, direct path and there's less extraneous movement before you are trying to get into the hitting zone. Vargas is a little bit of a lightning rod guy with the bat sticking up a little bit more vertically, but because of that freakish whip, he is actually able to get the barrel from launch to contact at just such a quick, quick, quick time. It's really impressive. It allows him to take as much time as possible to make decisions, knowing how quick he is 
to the ball that he can wait a little bit longer to see pitches. And that's why he has such a good approach. He's so quick. I said this with Spencer Torkelson too, very similar, that both those guys are so quick from where they're slotted to getting to the ball in the zone that they can wait longer and see the ball a little bit longer and make decisions. He is ridiculous with how little he moves and how easy the power is. And it makes it so simple to repeat. It's so similar to Carlos Correa, except Vargas has done a really good job through the minor leagues at just getting the ball in the air. He was a bit pull happy to start the season, then started to use the whole field a bit better. He gets easy, easy carry, good home run to fly ball rate at about 12%. And the guy's just built to hit home runs. I mean, he does not hit many ground balls. A sub 30% ground ball rate, which I love when you're hitting more than 10% of the balls in the air out of the yard. He's having a lot of success at just getting the ball out of the yard because of that carry, because of how frequently he barrels pitches up, and he puts up above average to plus exit velos. At 22 years old, with that kind of polish and with that kind of ability to just drive the ball to all fields, to have that plus pull side power, now we're seeing above average power to all fields, I see a potentially plus hit tool here with potentially plus power. I mean, how do you not put plus power on this guy? Even if you are putting 55 raw power, you got to put 55 game power because he gets every ounce of of his raw power to translate into game power so far from what we've seen. He's an average runner, decent athlete. I mean, you're betting on the bat here, but with a high-end hit tool and a high-end ability to hit home runs, he is such a safe bet and honestly could leapfrog some of these guys moving forward. Very similar type of production to Josh Young, except he's 22 years old here and just continues to develop before our eyes. Could be big league ready by the end of next year, but we'll see how the Dodgers decide to roll with things. But my gosh, I mean, this guy deserves way more attention and should be on every top 100 list. Can promise you that he'll be well inside of the top 100 list on our next update there coming up. Next up on the list is our number six third base prospect in baseball and it is a polarizing prospect no doubt but a guy with a lot of upside and plenty to like though he has been getting a lot of reps at second base it's Nolan Gorman of the St. Louis Cardinals and the reason why he's getting reps at second base is not because he's incapable of playing at third he actually has a plus arm at third base and decent enough actions to be an average defender over there the problem is that there's that dude named Nolan Arenado who will be manning third base for quite some time in St. Louis. So the Cardinals, knowing that Gorman's kind of fast-tracking, or at least a little bit further ahead in his development than maybe some thought he would be, they want to get him some reps at second base, and he made 77 of his 100-and-something starts over at second base this past season in preparation for potentially calling him up and putting him at second base at the big league level. Obviously, he still needs a little bit more seasoning, and there's some things that he needs to work out uh, in his approach and in his swing to have success. There's some inconsistencies. His lower half is inconsistent. I think there's some drag to his barrel because of the lack of stability at times in his base, but there's still a lot to like, and especially when you just look at the numbers as a whole, he had a very, very solid season. The problem with Gorman, too, though, is he really struggles to hit lefties. I'm going to get into all of that, but first, his numbers as a whole. Between AA and AAA, 279, 333, 481 slash line, 
25 home runs, 75 driven in, and actually improved upon the K rate more than I thought he would because that was something I was a little bit worried about earlier, especially after his first pro season, but cut it down to the low to mid 20% range in between AA and AAA, which was really solid. The big problem for Gorman is that he legitimately is uncompetitive against lefties right now, and you're just not going to be able to have success at the big league level with how bad his splits are unless you want to be like a Jock Peterson type, which means you're just never going to be able to miss righties. You've got to actually pulverize righties. And to show how dramatic the splits were, 589 OPS against southpaws, 917 OPS against right-handers. The power is is legit. It's plus power, plus plus raw, 110 plus mile per hour exit velos, but he just does not have the consistency to be able to get to where he needs to go. Like, yes, he got to AAA, but I still think he's far off because of that issue. The other thing that's a little bit alarming when you look at Nolan Gorman is that he does not hit velo very well. You look at his numbers against pitches just 93 miles an hour and above, and he only had a 569 OPS against fastballs 93 and above. Everybody throws 93 and above in the big leagues. That's definitely a concern. He was feasting on on slower fastballs, on sinkers. That's where he was really doing his damage and on pitches, hangers, that type of stuff, he could make you pay because he's got ridiculous power, the type of power that you don't even have to fully barrel the baseball to get it out of there. But you need to be able to hit high-end velo to have success or you have to be able to just pulverize everything else. And he doesn't really do either and he struggles against lefties. So if you're going to struggle against lefties who are typically softer throwers, and also struggle against Velo, it's unlikely that you're going to have success at that stage. So there's some things he needs to work out. There's some consistencies that he needs to have in his swing that he just doesn't have yet. I think he made some good adjustments. I think that the lower half is better than where it was before. But right now, he's still just struggling to time up that leg kick. He still is struggling to stay in that backside. And I think his plate discipline is holding him back right now, too. It's a very aggressive approach that forces him to, at times, swing at pitches that he's just going to struggle to be able to hit. And I think that's part of the issue, too. You got to know your weaknesses as a hitter, and you got to pick and choose when you want to attack. And right now, he will swing at pitches early in the count that he just can't do much with, especially with his swing and the way he is. And that's not really going to be conducive for success. Something that I've pointed out with Gunnar Henderson, and I think their swings are pretty similar. Henderson might even have a little bit better body control overall, but they both have this problem where their upper body and their lower body are out of sync. And at times, you know, one is leading the other. And it's really hard to have success at that point when you have one trailing the other. And that's exactly what we're seeing a lot with Nolan Gorman, especially against high-end velo. It seems like he doesn't trust himself to catch up. And you can see his front side leaking out or a drift forward as well, which ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy or counterintuitive, whatever you want to call it, because it ends up making him later on the ball anyways. But still, Gorman has major power. A really important thing to remember is that, you know, we look at these guys get to triple A and we're like, ah, he's struggling in triple A. Or even though he held his own, I mean, he still had a decent amount of home runs, sub 800 OPS, but still held his own. He's just 21. So it was a pair of really aggressive assignments between Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman from the Cardinals to send both those guys up to AAA. Like Gorman could use another full year in AAA and sort things out. The 
fact that he was able to stay afloat despite his struggles against high end velo and against lefties, there's a lot of things to like here. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic. I still think that his power plays to all fields. He can get away with some of the struggles because of that ridiculous power. The defense is way better than I thought it would be at second base, by the way, because of that plus arm. He can get away with not having the best footwork in the world. He makes some tough plays look easy because of how strong his arm is. And he turns double plays without even really having to move his feet. He throws flat-footed and his arm is so strong. It was a plus arm at third. What do you think it is at second base that he can turn those double plays really easily? Gorman's an exciting prospect who is still so young at 21 years old. But like, let's not rush him. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals like let's not rush him at all I think he should use another full year in the minor leagues which is maybe not what you would expect after a guy just finished in AAA last year with a pretty bulky sample size but I just think that you're, you're setting him up for failure if you bring him up to the big leagues let him work through some of those issues because they typically the issues that he has don't translate to success at the big league level no matter how well he's doing until he irons out those issues I'm going to talk about another player who has some of the similar issues and is also close to the big leagues, but is two years older. And I'm going to get to him in a second. But before I get there, a reminder that this episode is brought to you in part by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered for all season props, for everything, odds, lines, for every game you can imagine, every sport. Football season continues. The march to the playoffs continues. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to their new updated mobile device website or desktop to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by just using the promo code locked on. That's it. One word locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. If you go check out their new site, they also have football, basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, and everything in between baseball. Of course, when the season rolls around, even your favorite Vegas casino games, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. Also brought to you in part by DirecTV Stream. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and then you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and maybe you have your neighbor's friends log in for whatever else you want to stream. Well, let me tell you a much easier way to get all the entertainment together that you love without the hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Let's get now into prospect number seven here and the top 10 third base prospects on our list. And it's another Nolan, Nolan Jones, who had a really strong finish to the year because he couldn't have started much worse. It was a disastrous May. And Nolan Jones is very similar to Gorman in the respect that he has ridiculous raw power as a left-handed hitting third base prospect historical struggles against lefties, and they're also both named Nolan. But the biggest thing that really encouraged me this year was after the disastrous start, Nolan Jones really hit his stride and settled in. And I think that's something that Cleveland Guardian fans have to be really excited about because he was somebody that was looking like he was in trouble. I mean, he was struggling to hit lefties to such a dramatic degree, sub 100 or sub 200 batting average, closer to the low 100s in 2019 against Southpaws that 
it was legitimately concerning to the point where we didn't know if he was going to be able to be an everyday regular. You pair that with some swing and miss concerns, period, and there were some issues there. And when you hit 189 in the month of May through your first 22 games, that's uh, it's a red flag. And I think people were starting to get a little concerned about Nolan Jones. But then he turned it on. In June, he really took off. July, slowed down a little bit and then finished with his best month in August. In 25 games in August, hit 280. 382, 452. It's an 833 OPS that the defense improved a decent margin. And the most important thing, he went from incompetent against left-handed pitching to very respectable against left-handed pitching. Actually, he might have been better against left-handers last year than right-handers. He did most of his damage against right-handed pitching, 10 of his 13 home runs coming against right-handers. But his overall slash line was better left on left. So clearly something worked for him. I'm sure that was something he was working on big time in the 2020 layoff. And it showed, it really showed 259, 371, 420 slash line against Southpaws against righties, 235, 353, 443 slash line. So he obviously slugged a bit more, but he was seeing the ball quite fine. I mean, a really high walk rate there. And Good bat to ball skills. 15 walks against 30 strikeouts against Southpaws is a huge development for Nolan Jones. And Nolan Jones did strike out 30% of the time. It was an even 30% of the time, but he offset that with a 15% walk rate. So even if that is normalized, and remember, this was at AAA, even if that, that normalizes at the big league level at 30%, if he's offsetting a 30% K rate with a 15% walk rate, then he should be all right. He also swiped 10 bags. He's secretly athletic. It's it's really surprising actually how well he moves. Even though he's only a 40 speed guy, he moves quite well. He's a smart base runner. He's a former hockey player, so he, he is a bit agile even though he's not the fleetest of foot in terms of just straight sprint speed. 13 home runs. I'd like to see a bit more than that given that he's a plus plus raw power guy but just did not quite get into the power as much. Still hits a little bit more ground balls than I'd like to see. 44% ground ball rate not his type of game. If you're a regular, typical hitter, that's a normal ground ball rate. But for a Nolan Jones type, a guy that's picking up really good home run to fly ball rate at 17%, I'd like to see him get the ball in the air more frequently. And that's something to look at moving forward. But his improvements against lefties, super encouraging. His just overall strong finish to the season, super encouraging. I want to see the power translate a bit more in games, but there's definitely enough to like here. He's right on the fringes of being a top 100 prospect, just inside of the top 100, I think, by the time we update it with the strong finish he had. May not be the sexiest prospect in the world, but he's 23 years old. He's 6'4", 195, left-handed hitter, and there's a lot to like there. I think that we're going to see the power start to come out more and more. It might not even fully click for him until he's in the big leagues, but there's big raw power there. And I'm really encouraged by the overall improvements we've seen with the bat to ball skills and the hit tool, which I was most concerned about translating. Now I think we'll start to see the power trickle in a bit more. That will be the decider of whether he's an average player or an above average to potentially all-star is how much of that power he can tap into because he's never going to be a high-end average hitter. But I think he has shown that he has enough bat to ball skills to be a big leaguer, but now you need the power to shine through to be a third baseman at the big league level. Coming up next is one of the more intriguing prospects, I think, in baseball right now. Uh, one of the highest end hit tools that isn't getting talked about enough. It's Curtis Mead of the Rays organization. And honestly, as an overall prospect, I probably have this a bit backwards. 
I would probably put Mead ahead of some of these guys. I just don't know if he's necessarily sticking at third base, and there's a lot more to be uh, looked at there because he's played all over. He got a lot of at-bats at first base uh, when he was in high A. I think he made 14 starts there. So we saw him move around a little bit. Overall, he's probably going to be a third baseman, and honestly, I messed that up. I I can't really re-record the whole thing, but I would probably flip-flop and wow, I've never done this before, but I'd probably flip-flop Curtis Mead uh, ahead of some of these other guys I was recording. And I usually have all of my notes and all my preparation, which I, all, I have all the way here. And normally I don't forget anybody. And now I'm midway through recording and I'm like, holy crap, I forgot Curtis Mead. And I know that Mead is not a full-time third baseman, but he still played more games at third than any, any other position. And ultimately, if you ask me, that's where I think he's going to stay. So I'm sorry for the haphazardness near, but I would put him realistically, if we're thinking about where he's going, I'd put him right behind Vargas. Uh, so my bad on that one. Um, so flip-flop it here. It's all the same. I'm just telling you about the prospects, but flip-flop him in the rankings uh, because Curtis Mead is ahead of those guys. I don't know how I forgot that, and that is my fault, but at least I remembered before I published the uh, podcast. So put Mead ahead of the two guys I talked about because it would have made no sense. I'm about to glow for about five to ten minutes about Curtis Mead, and you'd be like, well, you were just a little bit harsh on the two Nolans, so how is Mead behind those guys? He's not. Honestly, he's quite a bit ahead of them. And uh, I, again, I apologize for the uh, little bit of disorganization there. But Curtis Mead is really, really intriguing. He kind of came out of nowhere, an Australian guy who just had things click for him big time over the last year. He came out of 2020's layoff after getting a bunch of ABs in the Australian League, which is where he just tried to stay fresh and just was on a different level in 2021, made a mockery of low A pitching, posting a 163 WRC plus in 47 games, hit seven home runs, only a 14% K rate, 356, 408, 586 slash line. Like that's ridiculous. Then goes to high A, 53 games there, 282, 348, 466 slash line. Fantastic there. He played four games in AAA, was great in those four games, then goes to the Arizona Fall League and sets the record for hitting streak over there. So he's good. He's quite good. And his swing reminds me so much, so much of Evan Longoria, which is funny because he's also a third baseman. When Meade was first coming up with the Phillies, a lot of people looked at him as just a a contact guy, not that much excitement about him. We're still not really seeing him on any top 100 list, which which is out of my, just blows my mind. It's, It's just absolutely crazy to me because what else does this guy have to do? Remember, he's also just 21 years old and the Rays, which is you know one of the most data-driven and savvy organizations in all of baseball, they gave him the bump from high A straight to triple A. What does that tell you? I mean, to me, that tells you that they are really confident in his ability. And the craziest thing is you look at the zone contact, which low 80s is, is above average or 80, mid 80s is above average. 87% zone contact, which means you know, he's just hitting everything in the zone. Fastballs, 90% zone contact. He doesn't miss fastballs. He catches up to VLO. But the craziest thing about Curtis Mead, too, is you're looking at this 6'2", 170-pound guy that's supposed to be a contact first prospect, and he's putting up exit VLOs of 113 miles per hour. That's elite. That is absolutely elite, and he's only 21. So I'm seeing now above average to plus raw power that, or at least game power, that we're seeing kind of make its way out here now. And how do you not like this guy? High-end hit tool, budding power. I think he could be an above average defender at third, even though they move him all over. If they move him anywhere else to second or first, he'll be great there. But I really expect him to stick at third. 
like this guy is good. He's really good. And when you look at the numbers, you compile them across the three levels for the year. He hit 321 with 15 homers. And to go with the K rate and everything else, only a 15% K rate, 141 WRC+. This guy is really darn good. He has a very good approach. I love his swing. He starts with that similar Evan Longoria upright setup, but just gets into a really good hitting position repeats everything so well and his takes are so so easy the guy just sees the ball well he has a repeatable swing that lives in the zone there's not much to dislike about Curtis Mead this guy's going to be in the big league soon the Rays have another stud prospect who I think is just criminally underrated when you look across the entire landscape Curtis Mead's going to be a problem I think for pitchers at the big league level and you don't see hitters like him that often anymore with that kind of ability to make contact and still really exciting raw power Next up is a prospect I've been telling you about for a little while now and somebody that I think is a high floor guy that I have really liked since he was with the Mariners and it's Austin Shenton, third baseman who was traded over to the Rays this year. Another one of those guys that when when the Rays traded for him, I was like, man, I know they target him specifically because he hits all of the points that I like in prospects. I'm starting to see a little bit of a correlation between some of the guys that they target. He's very similar to me in the respect that he has very good bat-to-ball skills, sneaky power, and walks at a pretty good clip. He was great to start the year in high A, where he hit 295, 418, 576 with 11 homers in 57 games. 10 games into his double A promotion, where he was hitting 326, he gets traded over to the Rays and struggled a little bit after the trade. It was a change of environment. He only played 13 games over there, so I'm not putting too much stock into that. Still hit 271, just saw the walk rate drop a lot and had to see a whole new host of pitching and just a whole different situation. So I'm not going to put stock into that. Look at the numbers as a whole over the duration of the year, and that's what really stands out to me. The guy hit 295 with 14 home runs in 80 games, and you look across the board, 295, 398 on base, 549 slugging, almost a 13% walk rate, 23% K rate. I mean, there's a lot to like there. And what I like about his swing is it reminds me a little bit of Mark Teixeira. And Mark Teixeira, except with more of a spray approach, where Teixeira is a bit pull happy from that left side, you see this guy just spray it all over the field. Shenton lets the ball travel. He has a lot of confidence in his ability to beat the shift or to go pull side for some power. Shenton just murdered fastballs this past year, hitting 367, 460, 671. So over 1,100 OPS against heaters. Velo is not a problem for him. He catches up to Velo really, really well. The one thing that, you know, and this is really common for almost every young left-handed hitter that he needs to continue to get better at is is reading the changeup, picking up the changeup. He hit sub 200 against the combio, and that's something that he's going to have to get a little bit better at. That's something that I think most hitters from the left side, especially guys that have some sneaky power and kill fastballs, are going to struggle with. And I think he knows, he obviously knows that he crushes fastballs to a 370 clip and that he hit more than half of his home runs against heaters. So you're going to be a little bit more geared up for the fastball. And when you see the change up sometimes, 
you're going to swing at it. You know, it, the whole point of a changeup is it's supposed to look like a fastball. So when that happens, you know, I think he just gets a little bit over aggressive when looking for the heater and swung through a few too many changeups. He still has an above average chase rate in terms of just not chasing as much as the rest of the minor leagues. He is very good in almost every contact department. I think he has a high quality of contact. He barrels up baseballs. Is he going to be a superstar? Probably not. Can he be an above average regular who just is consistently 275, 20 plus home runs? I absolutely think that is a very feasible outcome with good defense uh, over at third base, or at least average defense over at third base. Left-handed bat, I I like it. And the makeup is there too. I've heard nothing but good things about him. So another good high floor prospect there with some still interesting upside as a left-handed bat at third base in Austin Shenton. Wrapping up here with number 10 and last but not least is Red Sox third base prospect Blaze Jordan, who had a really good start to his career. Yes, it was at the Complex League. Yes, he only played about 28 games, but at least I got an opportunity to see what he looks like in that kind of environment, right? Like I'm seeing him against high school pitching, even in the prep circuit. It's just not the same. Seeing him against professional arms, against consistently mid 90s stuff, even if it's erratic, was good to see. And honestly, I was very impressed at how advanced his hit tool is relative to where I thought it might be. I was a little concerned. I mean, no one doubts the power. The guy was a YouTube sensation at 15 for how far he could hit the baseball with a metal bat still, but yes, just a YouTube sensation for the kind of power that he had at a young age. He was committed to Mississippi State, I think, before he even had braces, and this is just one of those guys that could suffer from prospect fatigue because he'd been on the radar of everybody for so long, and we kind of saw that in the draft, right? I mean, there was time. There was a time when he was early in high school where people were like, okay, who's tanking for him in three years for the number one pick? Just one of those ridiculous things. I would say that so far, though, he has lived up to a lot of the hype and just being him and just showing what he's capable of, and as an overslot guy in the third round, it took a lot of money to sign him away, and he got a good chunk of money, well over a million dollars, to not go to Mississippi State. And you know what? I think that he is a bit more athletic than I gave him credit for. There's still a lot to figure out, and again, we've only seen him play 28 games. But in those 28 games, he had four home runs in the complex league. Then he goes to low A, and I thought this was really telling too. I mean, again, it was only nine games, but he hits two home runs in those nine games and doesn't strike out that much. Only eight strikeouts in what was uh, 38 plate appearances super encouraging there in low A for a guy that was just making the jump from high school and was a guy that reclassified, right? He's young. He hasn't even turned 19 yet. He reclassified to go to the draft earlier, hasn't even turned 19 yet, and was holding his own in that final little cameo in low A. 250, 289, 444 slash line in those nine games for whatever that's worth. But what's more important is that he didn't strike out a lot and he did have some quality contact contact with the two home runs and a double. I'm really interested to see how he does in a full season next year, but he's got to be in the consideration of this top 10 third baseman spot also because he moved a lot better than I thought. I thought this guy was doomed, absolutely doomed for first base. And I still think there's a high probability that he could end up there, but at 6'2", 220, he moves better than I thought he would. And He's got a decent enough arm. There's a chance that he could end up playing third base for the long term. That's a big part of his value, too. He gets the ball in the air, honestly, almost at a ridiculous amount. Only a 26% ground ball rate in those 28 games. I will emphasize small sample size, yes, but 
he gets the ball in the air a lot and he knows that's his game and I'm okay with that. So I'm really interested to see how he continues to progress. He's super young. He has a lot going for him in terms of just his ability and raw power. It's plus raw power and a hit tool that's further along than I thought. And that's not just because of the sample size. Like I could see enough in those ABs that his takes were more comfortable than I thought they would be. His swing was more consistent than I thought it would be. And his bat to ball skills were just overall better than I thought. So this is a guy that's further along than I would have imagined. And I'm very excited to see how he does next year. So definitely a good guy to round out the top 10 with as much upside as really anybody that I named in this episode but arguably the widest range of outcomes as well as he still has a long way to go. That'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Of course, I'm going to be going through all the other positions. I've already done shortstop. I've done third base, but a lot more positions to go through moving forward. Also keep up with all of my latest written content, prospect related and big league related over at justbaseball.com. I'd really appreciate it if you could go check it out and browse the site over there. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.